morning liberty. Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends out there? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and right across from me is Charles Thompson. How's it going, Chuck? Oh, living the dream on this Black Monday. Oh, man. Is that, is that what it is? Is this a Black Monday? This could technically be a Black Monday. We had a, we had a stock market halt today. Halt. Yes. The bell rung 10 minutes after the bell rung, and they said it's time to stop. This is too bad. And uh, that is the first time. What did you say last time that happened? October of 1997, from what I'm reading. Okay. Yeah, that's not yeah. good. Now, they I halt. Was, how they, old were you then? Um, About 35, <laughs> I think. I was 10. Yeah. I was 10 years old when wow. that happened. Yes. Yeah. I was nine. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so, um, you know, they, they halted the market. Now, listen. Different stocks get halted every single day. Charlie and I have, uh, through our trading every day, see, we, you see stocks get halted all the time. So that happens. What does not happen is they do not normally halt the entire stock market for trading. That is, That means they are trying to prevent a massive crash at that time. They're trying to stop people from selling because the selling has been too bad. And even when they put stocks back on the market, they were only, we were seeing because we were trading, uh, at that time, we were seeing they were only opening them up for the buying side for a little bit. Yeah. And then they removed um, our brokerage, removed the capability of shorting anything so that they were trying to only allow upward pressure on everything for for a little bit. And for the most part, I will say. You know, the halts are pretty stupid. Uh, we don't like those, and we'll talk about why. But it has not continued lower past that lowest point. So maybe they stopped it for a second, or maybe everyone got an alert and they said, oh, trading halt, it's down a bunch. I need to buy right now. It's going to go back this up. Is, this is completely irrational. So maybe that's what they were saying. Who knows? We've had a major stock market decline in just a little bit. We'll be telling you about how much that has moved down, what that means to you, almost nothing, unless you're selling things right now. So what that means to you, we're going to talk about this Galdern coronavirus and what it means to you Still, probably nothing whatsoever. Um, you've got a lot higher chance of dying from, oh, I don't know, almost anything uh, than you do from the coronavirus. So we'll we'll talk about that. Especially for most people in the age ranges between like ten and eighty. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You're you're pretty you're, you're pretty safe. You're pretty there. safe as far as that got, goes. There's some funny things happening with all of this. Um, yeah, we're gonna dive into all of that, but first. Let me mention that you must subscribe to this podcast. This is a, a call to action. This <laughs> you better subscribe. And, known in sales and, as a call to action. <laughs> and yeah. the reason why you should subscribe is because one, it's free. This is a free show for you. And uh get subscribing gets the next episode directly to your phone, right to the top of your feed. And that's what everyone wants to do because this is the best liberty podcast out there. I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna Ooh. say it. Um that might not be true, but if I say it. Maybe it will be true. Who knows? Good morning. Liberty is liberty. <laughs> liberty, liberty. All right. So, um, and then the second thing I want to tell you guys is Patreon. You have to go to Patreon. If you want some of the pre and post show, which friends, friends of ours like Maurice gets, and we comment back and forth, we get to talk about some in-depth things. You guys get to ask some secret questions that we'll answer for you. And uh, if you want to be part of that pre and post show, you can get that for as little as $5 a month. This is not the free version. You can watch the podcast live too. Yeah. We've been hanging out with Maurice for a bit because he's, you know, we just started the Patreon a few weeks ago now. We added another one over the weekend. That's cool. We keep adding a few people all the time. Uh, so adding patrons and anyone who is a patron on there can watch the live live podcast on there now not all of them go to the link and comment back and forth with us the whole time but it is available on patreon for anyone to watch live so i would highly recommend that patreon patreon.com slash good morning liberty yeah easy easy peasy liberty liberty exactly exactly <laughs> so coronavirus or do you want to talk market for a minute let's talk about that old coronavirus all right because that kind of leads into so apparently the market yes, scare. This, this is, is all a from live science. We've been pulling. I've been watching this site because they update it every single day with updated numbers on how many people have the coronavirus and how scared you should be. So I, I've been reading this every single day. Coronavirus cases over 111,000. So here's your live updates on COVID-19. 
The newly identified coronavirus, COV2, is spreading across the globe. Here, the globe, here's what you need to know about the virus and the diseases it causes. The disease it causes called COVID-19. This is the update for Monday morning, March 9th. All right. There are about 564 confirmed coronavirus cases in the U.S., with 136 of those in Washington State and 124 in California. Well, basically, the coronavirus doesn't like socialists. Like the, That's basically what I can tell so far. There are 22 coronavirus deaths in the U.S., 19 in Washington, and 2 in Florida. There are 3,892 deaths linked to the virus worldwide. Deaths worldwide ex- exceed those from SARS. And 62,375 individuals have recovered from COVID-19. There are 111,354 confirmed coronavirus cases worldwide, with more cases popping up outside China than inside. You know, that was one of the, the nicer points of news that I thought we might get a little bit of positive action on today, but of course we don't, you know, the media doesn't really like positive action all that much. They're not real big on it. The The new cases in China have slowed a lot. They, they've slowed down a lot. So, you know, maybe we should pay attention to that or maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we'll just keep talking about All the bad stuff here real quick. Additional cases have been confirmed in New York, bringing the state's total to 106. A Grand Princess cruise ship holding 3,500 people with 21 who have tested positive for the coronavirus will dock off of Oakland on Monday. So just bringing them on in here. Just bring it in. Yeah. I had some comments on that because, you know, Trump made a statement basically alluding to the fact that he wasn't sure about this whole bringing in that cruise ship thing, you know, letting them come here. And of course, he got a lot of negative flack about that. And I was very confused about it because as you look around all these other countries in these perfect utopias uh, where they have, uh, you know, all these great things, they're quarantining people and just completely separating them off Especially from Italy. society. In Italy, they qu- 16 million people. Yes, are not allowed to do anything. million people. They have quarantined in Italy, but Trump mentioned that he wasn't sure about bringing in the ship that has 21 people that have coronavirus on it and a whole bunch of other people who have been exposed to it, which has up to two weeks before you can show signs of having it. So he said he doesn't know whether or not they should bring in that ship. And of course, everyone loses their minds because Trump <laughs> doesn't care about anyone and he wants everyone to die. Right. Like that. That's what everyone, that's what everyone wants to say about that. He's the evil fascist dictator. So what I, I just want to know is like, uh, is quarantining what you want to do when you have a virus, in which case having people marooned on a ship in the middle of the ocean, about best case scenario for quarantine, <laughs> just so you know, like yeah. you could make up a lot of scenarios on how to quarantine people and little to none of them are going to be as good as putting them on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Like, that's about as good as it gets right. as far as quarantining people. Now, that's unsafe for all unless, the other people. Unless that are on they the cough ship. and somehow it gets in the jet stream yeah. and then comes across. <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't know. Depends on the location of the ship. <laughs> right. Like, that, that's the important part. I'm not saying the ship should be left offshore. What I'm saying is the principle in the matter where you have all these countries quarantining millions of people because they don't want them in contact with non-infected people. Uh, what more do you want? I mean, that's a darn good quarantine right there, if I ever saw one. Let's see. Italy's prime minister, um, Italian words, announced Sunday, March 9th, a lockdown a lockdown of some 16 million residents in the northern part of the country. I didn't even know for sure that they had that many residents, especially in the northern part of the country. That's a lot of people up there. South by Southwest has been canceled, which is to me, it takes a lot of positive because I basically just hear a bunch of crazy leftist crap coming out of South by Southwest anyway. So maybe we can take that as a positive. The event, which was to take place March 13th to 22nd, typically attracts hundreds of thousands of people. The University of Washington in Seattle has become the first U.S. college to cancel in-person classes due to coronavirus. Hmm. Let's see. Who, director? That's the World Horth. Horth, Word Health Organization. That's not the guy who runs the band. Director General (laughs) calls on countries to take the outbreak seriously and that this is not a time for excuses. Who's making excuses? I don't I don't know. What what, what excuses can you make? What does that mean? What does that even mean? I'm not sure what that means. I don't know. The U.S. has approved an eight point three 
$8.3 billion in emergency funding. Well, we shouldn't even have the virus anymore after this. Good Lord. You know, what's funny is there was a lot of uh, controversy over this because the only person to vote against this funding was Rand Paul, who, by the way, is a physician, like an MD. (laughs) Dr. Rand Paul. Yeah, Dr. Rand Paul, probably the only guy. I think he's the only guy in the Senate that is actually a a medical doctor and voted against this. And everybody to look that up. I don't know. Everybody like, you know, went after him because he obviously doesn't care about people when he was like, look, we already spend plenty of money on this. And you're not, this is not even close to the flu yet. Yeah. You know, it's just absolutely insane that we would have to approve another $8.3 billion in emergency funding. Well, and the biggest problem he had with it, which is what he has with a lot of other things, is that it was a pay-go. It, meaning, it, it's an open-ended expenditure. Like and, it, and not only that, but if they don't spend it on the coronavirus, it doesn't matter. It, yeah, They're they going to spend it. They don't take it back. Right. Like, there's just a new eight point. And what he basically said was, we've got $8.3 billion that we can take from somewhere else that's already in the budget. Right. And allocate it to this problem right here. Like that. that's what he was saying. We've Why already we... got $8.3 billion sitting in someone's back pocket here in the Capitol that we can use on this. You know, so, so we don't need a new $8.3 billion. Right. It, man, take that libertarians who freaking hate on Rand Paul all the time. What other guy you got out there in the Senate that's going to go vote against coronavirus funding? And then you're just going to complain about how he's and not, he's not even voting against the funding. He's just saying, hey, there's a better way to do he this. voted against that specific pay. Yeah. Go. That, that's what I think it was. he introduced an amendment too that got shot down. I'm sure. I'm but sure. Hilarious. But uh, anyway, let's uh, do I have any more important podcast notes here? Uh, the province who by province where the outbreak began, I thought it was Wuhan, uh, reported no new COVID-19 cases on Friday. The first day without any new infections being reported. Wow. Yeah. So that was a little bit of the positive news. I thought we that the maybe the market, maybe the world would take from it was that the the new cases in China are slowing down, um, which I'm not saying that I know what that means, but you could look at that and say, hey, maybe this thing is slowing down. Like maybe that's, yeah. you could say, Hey, maybe this thing is running its course. You, you know, know it's, flu you know has a season, by the way, the flu and which is highly resemblance to, to coronavirus has a season where it's, it's in season, people get the flu and then it's summer all of a sudden. And like, no one's getting the flu because the virus isn't just isn't spreading around at that time. And even I was talking to my dad and he was like, well, I don't think it's going to get that bad because it's going to go out of season and, and the cases will stop. And by the time it gets back in the flu season and all that, well, they'll probably have a vaccine by then. So it, it's just say what you will. I think there's one important thing down here at the bottom. It says the global mortality rate for COVID-19 is 3.4%, which is a little bit higher. That's high. A little bit higher than the flu. It's, than, it's than, a lot higher yeah. than the flu. Yeah. The world, but the World Health Organization said on March 2nd, the virus causes more severe illness than the flu, but doesn't spread as efficiently. Yeah. So it's not even spreading as efficiently as a flu does, it's, which is why we see so many case, more cases of the flu and so many more to deaths. Get. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Well, I, I want to talk about a few of uh, Trump's tweets because I thought they were absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Um, so if you don't follow Donald Trump on Twitter, you should. And first of all, this morning he was talking about how good his team was doing on the coronavirus and and how he said that uh, great. He said, great job done by the VP and coronavirus task force. Thank you. And then he said the best decision made was the toughest of them all which saved so many lives our very early decision to stop travel to and from certain parts of the world so he's saying all that saved a lot of good people and then when after the market opened and it halted (laughs) it was so funny how he came in and basically was saying oh the fake news is making coronavirus scare uh causing the stock market to crash and all of this so he was saying hey look i'm doing a good job and then when the market tanks he's like ah fake news which is exactly what's happening this is all media hype yeah it is media scare media hype and you know there was a comment you had tweeted out today that basically the coronavirus scare is causing this stock market crash yeah this this little crash that we've seen which which it is i mean down seven percent it it runs into the first circuit breaker which is what they call it where automatically according to the algorithms that the s p 500 drops seven percent then it automatically halts trading for 15 minutes there's three different levels that can happen at and that happened today, mainly because of coronavirus. Now, we did get a comment on our Facebook page after that tweet 
where they were saying, well, it can't just be American stocks because stocks globally are dropping. You know, the price of oil is down. All of this is happening, which there's some truth to that. However, the media in the United States is picking up on this coronavirus. If you go just go search it um, they're they're talking about the next pandemic. They're talking about how fast it spreads. They're talking about all these deaths. And the crazy thing is, is Trump is right. Actually, in one of his tweets, he talks about how that is crazy. There's twenty seven thousand uh, to 70,000 cases of flu every single year. Um, and the deaths average around 30, 40,000 yeah. a year from the flu. And there's not, way more cases. The, the average, and we're not even close to that. The average deaths are go back and forth between 30 to 70,000. Yeah. There's, sorry. There's way more cases. The average the deaths. Flu. Yeah. 30 to 70,000. Yeah. You know, the average deaths for car wrecks is 40,000. Yeah. So, if you're scared of the coronavirus, you should be scared of driving. Yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah. Just like every, I mean, I'm terrified of flying in a plane. It makes <laughs> Which, no sense. It makes technically, no. except for that, the death rate of a plane crash is really high. Right. Like you, you rarely live through a plane crash. <laughs> so that's what makes me really scared of planes. So I understand. But the, uh, but the, the rarity of it crashing. Yeah. It's almost never happens. Almost never. Yeah. And and so I understand being a little bit more worried about coronavirus because the death rate is higher. So, yeah, you get the flu or you get the coronavirus, you're more likely to die from the coronavirus because there is no vaccine for it. There is no medications really that are slowing it down. Nothing like that. So it's and it is heavier on the lungs. It creates a lot more mucus and like fluid. liquefies your lungs, basically. Right. A so lot more. So it leads really people aren't really dying from coronavirus. They're dying from pneumonia. Pneumonia. Because yeah. that's what happens. Which is how lungs. you die from the flu really. or the cold. Yeah. That's how you die from anything. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, it's so funny because most people are like, oh, he died from cardiac arrest. Well, that's what happens when you die, by yeah. the way. Cardiac arrest. Your, your heart arrests. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly what happens. So saying somebody died from cardiac arrest is like, well, yeah, I mean, everyone dies from cardiac arrest because that's how you call the death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the heart stopped beating. Uh, he died <laughs> that's from cardiac he died arrest. From. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's exactly what happens. Actually, that. all the people who are getting this are also dying from cardiac arrest. Yes. Yeah. That's what we should work on. <laughs> the other funny thing I've seen going around is everybody talking about hand washing. And the funny thing is, is they were saying a lot of people are saying, uh, you people aren't washing your hands before. Like, yeah. <laughs> isn't this like a standard practice that we figured out back in the early 1900s that hand washing is the number one preventable cause of disease? Yeah. And then the other thing was, if you look on your Lysol can, it already says that it prevents coronavirus. coronavirus. It says it on there. It's because this is nothing new. This is just <laughs> a different form. I talked about this a little bit last week. Is uh, a virus is an it is composed of RNA. Whereas living, most living organisms that we know of, like we all have our own DNA and I'm not going to get into the technical terms of that, but there's two different ways proteins can form to create a, what's called a living organism. You have RNA and you have DNA. The reason why viruses are hard to kill and why you have to have a vaccine for them is because you actually have to inject yourself with a either dead or a very weak version of the virus so that your body can create uh, what's called T cells. And those T cells, white blood cells, actually go in and um, destroy the virus. They're the only things that can actually kill it. We can't have medicine. Medicine doesn't actually kill the virus. Uh, you take antibiotics for bacteria because bacteria is composed of DNA. So it has certain proteins in its makeup where the actual medicine can attack those proteins and break it apart. A virus, you can't do that because its proteins are always changing. It, that's what RNA does. And that's why they're so difficult to predict. And that's why they're so difficult to come up with a virus. Even the flu, they make their best guess yeah. on what version of the flu is going to be the most widespread. And that's the vaccine that you get. Now I'm not even going to get into these, this, and this anti-vaccine thing, this, you know, if you want to go listen to conspiracy theories, this isn't the place for it. Um, I'm not going to say that vaccines are full of great things, but they're, when you weigh out the cost benefit analysis on vaccines, yeah. go get your damn vaccines. It's better. Like, don't be a fool yeah. here, but um, you have to understand that difference. I've never had a flu vaccine, by the way. Well, which is fine. Since the last time I had to. Right. Um, I have a perfect immune system, basically. Yeah. So you, you never yeah. get sick. I've never get sick ever. Yeah. yeah I had the flu a couple weeks ago though. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm getting at here though, is that the, the, COVID-19 is just another version 
of a flu slash cold. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just a little bit more severe version because the proteins in that virus are able to withstand a little bit more of your body's normal defense against it, especially for young kids, pregnant women and elderly people. Yeah. Almost everyone that's died has been above 80 years old. Yeah. And this actually isn't so affecting not, children, by the, by the way. It's, pre, it's pretty crazy. Right. And it, if, it's not affecting children and it's not affecting. Uh, well, I can't get in. I can't get well, in. Sorry. It's too also much stuff. compromised immune systems. Um, so if you have, um, you know, any type of autoimmune disease or uh, things like AIDS. If you've been smoking your whole life. Smoking, I mean, there's there's things, a lot of things. Yeah. Yes. I'd. I mention my lovely wife every day on the podcast, but she is working directly with someone who's on HCA's um, task force, Hospital Corporation of America, for solving the coronavirus. Thing. Weird. Why would they do something like that? Uh, I don't know. I don't oh, know man. why they would want to do that. So there, she's working with someone who's directly on that. And she said one thing they found is that for some reason it's not affecting mothers. Mothers. Just like if you're a mother. It's not affecting it now if you're old or something like that. That's different. But basically, like young mothers, middle-aged mothers, for some reason, there's something that I haven't found out exactly what it is yet, but it's not affecting them. So that's one of the things they're trying to use. What is it that the mothers have that, that is making it to where they're not being affected by this? Why is this not affecting children as much? You know, so, so listen, they're going to figure this out. They're going to figure it out. Some people are going to die. Unfortunately, that's very sad. Mother Nature is trying to kill you. Every single day, Mother Nature is trying to kill you. And when we figure out one thing, that darn vindictive bee is going to create something else that you don't have a cure for and try to kill you again. And, and that's just what's going to happen. And we'll figure out how to fix that. But they'll, they'll figure this out. And I saw someone pointing out the fact, well, it's got a 3.4% death rate. That's bad. That's a high death rate. That's bad, man. And Trump had posted his tweet. Uh, that, that you read and someone responded saying, well, it could be a lot higher than that because we don't have the accurate test kits and everything. And so now this person was trying to take apart a statistic and say, well, but we're not accounting for this. But unfortunately, they were only trying to take apart a statistic biased in one direction. That's that's all they were. Not the not the the boy group uh, in one direction, but in one direction of the statistical bias is where they were looking. They were saying, well, this has a 3.4% kill rate. We don't even have testing for everyone yet. The kill rate could be much more than this. We have people who we don't know have died from the coronavirus. And that could, that's true, kind of, except for now, if you die of something that is flu-like and leads to pneumonia, you're going to get tested to see if you had the coronavirus. Like, like Fox News and CNN will sponsor the testing for you. They'll, they'll make sure you get tested. So they're accounting for people who are dying and whether or not they have coronavirus. What they're not accounting for are people who are getting sick and not going to the doctor and who are staying home and working through it. And then no one ever knows whether or not they ever had the coronavirus. That could have been me a you couple weeks ago. You've been sick for two weeks. Yeah. You've had fevers. You've been coughing. You've had all kinds of problems. How many times did you go to the doctor? Zero. Do you know whether or not you have the coronavirus? No. So I can't see it. You don't it's see it. It's hard to see. You didn't get a notification <laughs> on your phone. No. You didn't get anything like that saying that you had coronavirus. So what I'm saying is you have to look for the statistical biases in both directions. While you can say that, oh, well, we don't know exactly what the death rate is because we haven't, not everyone's tested. Well, that could be partially true, but like I said, they're testing people who die from some type of respiratory illness that led from flu-like symptoms. Like, you're going to get tested to see if you had coronavirus. People who aren't getting tested are people like Charlie. People who got something that resembled the flu and had it for a couple weeks, got over it, never went to the doctor. We actually have no idea. This is saying 111,000 cases of the coronavirus. There could be 500,000 of them out there. Of people who think, well, I guess I just got the flu. I'm going to work through it. I'm just going to power through it. And then that's it. They've been telling people who, who, if they think you have the coronavirus, don't go to a medical facility. Because, by the way, we don't have any medical treatment for it whatsoever. You're probably just going to get some other sick people sick when you go there. So they've actually said that if you think you have it, um, there's not anything you can do other than work through it. They're also saying telemedicine might be better yeah. if you think you have it because 
then you don't actually go to the doctor's office and have a chance of yeah. spreading it. There's some great telemedicine program. I've got one through my insurance that I never take advantage of, but I can get on there and, and be connected with a doctor through, you know, an app and talk to someone about problems and stuff for, for like 20 bucks or something. What's hilarious is everyone is saying that Trump is downplaying the risk. No, he's and talking he, about what the actual risk he's is. He's talking about the actual facts. Yeah. The real facts. Yeah. And it's like, look, yeah, the, the death rate is higher, um, but it doesn't spread as easily as the flu does. And so far, we haven't even come close to what the actual deaths are per year for the actual flu. Yeah. Now, if this is a virus that does continue on throughout the summer and the fall and we don't get a, a vaccine for it, then whatever, it could jump up to those numbers. But here's what you need to know. You should not even be concerned unless we actually reach somewhere around the 30,000 death mark. If we reach the 30,000 death mark, then we can start to be concerned about it. Listen to this, the flu. And even then, it's not too far gone because the flu kills more than that every year. The 20, flu. Between 27,000 and 70,000. This season, uh, this season in the U.S. alone. Now, I don't know when flu season starts. Is that close to the NFL season? I'm not really Probably sure August, when that comes yeah, in. August, September. Is that the preseason? Yeah. Like where you start, there. like it's not really flu yet, <laughs> but you're trying to figure it, figure it out, yes. get stuff together. Okay. So let's just say that's when it starts. In, in the U.S. alone, the flu, now this is from also Live Science, same same uh, place we were reading the last thing from. In the U.S. alone, the flu has caused an estimated 34 million illnesses. Can I 34 million illnesses, 350,000 hospitalizations, and 20,000 deaths since the flu season started so far. 34 million people so Which doesn't far. even count me and you because we didn't I, go to the doctor i didn't go to the doctor <laughs> okay yeah so so that's the man this is the like when you're saying that trump is trying to downplay the risk and downplay what's happening and then you look at the flu and you see there's 34 million people this season can you imagine if there were 34 million cases of coronavirus, we'd be trying to guard your apartment with an AR-15 right now. <laughs> if that many people had coronavirus, yeah. Okay, so th this is this is completely blown out of proportion. This is the What's best. What's the total number of coronavirus cases? 111,000 111, total. Wow. Total 34 million in the U.S. alone for the flu. That's 10 percent. It's insane. 10 percent of the flu of the over 10 percent. Yeah, it's it's yeah it's 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 not even 10 percent is what you mean it's it's uh no 327 million people 34 million cases that's 10 percent. oh yeah i thought you were talking about the okay i thought you were talking about the people who had corona virus no no okay i got you how so, many cases of the coronavirus in the united states uh five hundred and something yeah we got a long way to go <laughs> a heck of a long way to go 564 confirmed coronavirus cases in the u.s and most of them are in socialist states so <laughs> sorry that's Washington not in california sorry, and new york they should have had a better response <laughs> everything's centrally controlled between, in those states between washington <laughs> state new york and california they account for about 400 of the 564 confirmed coronavirus cases so it's a i'm not saying it's okay that they're socialist states that is a off-the-cuff joke that does not really have any bearing on my uh feelings towards human beings in general so just just to go ahead and say that but you got to manage you got to manage your emotions on this you have to realize this is the best thing to ever happen for the news media especially leading into an election you see how much they've blown up the swine flu and sars i mean sars all the time you see the people of the you see the pictures of the asian people wearing masks every time they go through somewhere wearing their sars mask they've got i mean it's they love this stuff they love it because everyone's glued to their TV, to their news channel, to their websites all the time trying to read about the coronavirus. This is an amazing thing for them. Look at what it's done to the stock market. And yes, I stand by my statement that the media has crashed the stock market because the media has fueled the irrational fear over this fake pandemic I know a lot of people are getting it, but it's in nowhere close to other things that people get and die from. The media has fear, feared, uh, fed the flames of this irrational fear, this, this completely fake pandemic, so much so that the market is selling off 
like, I mean, we haven't seen in what, 1997 was the last time we had a circuit breaker halt. Okay. So yes, I'll stand by my statement that the media caused this stock market crash. Stocks can go down because we're going to be trading a little bit less with China. Okay. That can happen. What doesn't happen is a 15 to 20% decline within two weeks of the entire U.S. stock market. That is not what happens. Okay, that's what happens when you have a bunch of irrational fear out there. So I did a video on the way here. We can talk a little bit of market, a little bit of market. If you're watching your 401k, if you're watching some of your retirement, there's one very important thing to realize, which is the fact that you haven't lost any money yet. Okay, you haven't lost anything unless you need to sell and retire right now. If you need to sell and retire right now, well, then those people have lost some money. If they're if they have to retire this year and they've got to and they've got to liquidate their portfolio and take that money, well, then you've lost some money. Okay. If you have not, if you're someone who's still ten years away from retiring, five years away from retiring, 10, 15 years away, you haven't lost any money yet. The market went down. There's a famous, famous statement from Warren Buffett. You know how much money Warren Buffett lost during the 2008 market crash? Man, he's got so all those billions of dollars. He must have lost so much money during the market crash, right? How much money did he lose, Charlie? None. He didn't lose any. Nope. Because he didn't sell anything. So that, that's what he said when someone asked him if he lost, how much money he lost during 2008. None. I didn't. I was buying stocks during that time. And this is a great time, by the way. I never talk about long-term buying because I don't have a whole lot of faith long-term. But there are some stocks that are shaped up for some amazing long-term buys right now. If you think that we're going to continue to have cruise lines in the future, then you have got some amazing buys on some cruise lines right now because Norwegian Cruise Line, really good cruise line. Charlie doesn't know, but I know it's a really good cruise line. Um, (laughs) I've been on Norwegian. And they've gone down, oh man, since last year, since a few years ago, they're down 70% right now. 70% decline in their value. That's a lot. I did the numbers and the spreadsheet said that it was a lot. So there's a great place to buy. And honestly, um, I'm probably going to be getting some. It's about $21 a share. You might continue to lose some money because you're not picking the exact bottom. It's probably going to continue to go down. You might be able to get Norwegian Cruise Line around $15 a share, maybe $12 a share. Maybe I want to start accumulating a position. That's what that's called, accumulation. I'm going to start. I know I want to have a position of so many shares, and I'm going to start buying some now. And so when it starts moving up, I would like to have a thousand shares of it when it starts moving up. So maybe I'll buy 200 right now. And then maybe I'll buy 200 next week. I'll buy 200 a week after that. I'm going to accumulate my position. And then here's the deal. When it goes back up to where it was just a few months ago, you'll be up 120%. Now, maybe that's going to take a year. I don't know how long that's going to take. But is future you... Future you listening to the podcast going to be like, oh man, I'm so mad that you made that risky purchase where you made a hundred percent gain on your, on your stock. No, future you is going to be like, man, that was a good purchase, dude. Good job past me. That was awesome. So you got to look at some of these big long-term buys and uh, listen, I'm not normally one to, to give advice on very long-term purchases of stocks because I don't do a lot of long-term purchases. Although the few that I have done long-term uh, have gone really well. Uh, the, the, I made 100% on Apple. I made 200% on NUGT. Um, I'm looking to make 100 to 150% on Norwegian Cruise Lines. That's, that's what I'm looking to make on it. Uh, I would buy it right now, and I would not drop a single bead of sweat if I was down 30, 40% on my position after I bought it. I just, I would not. It could continue to move down, but people are going to continue to go on cruises when this entire thing blows over. Cruises are going to be back in style here a year or so, whatever it is, just like they've always been. And the price of it's going to go back up to 40, 50 bucks per share. So that's, and I'm just saying, you got to look long-term on this. You're not losing money right now, person who's got a 401k. You're not losing money. You're getting an amazing opportunity to get some shares. Like this is what 
this is the crash we've been talking about. It could get a little bit worse, but man, have we got some opportunities right now and some stocks that are just ir irrationally down. I like looking at things that have made irrational moves. Uh, they call me the Oracle of Antioch, and uh, that's that's what they, <laughs> sorry, it's Warren Buffett's the Oracle of Omaha. So yeah. um, I like looking at things that have made irrational moves in one direction. And um, cruise stocks, just saying, take a look at them. Take, take a look at that. And, uh, and and see what you think. So I'm looking at Norwegian. It's just, I don't understand, I don't understand our friend's comment about saying that it was, did he say it was ridiculous to blame this on the media? Yes. Yeah. I, I understand that this has a lot to do with uh, all of our production in China, all of our trade with China, all that kind of stuff. But it's still fueled by this irrational fear that everyone's got right now. Well, so look, the stock market could be down some based on what's happening in China and based on the oil and OPEC and them fighting over that kind of stuff. It could be down some. However, it wouldn't go down to where there would be need to be a halt yeah. overall if it wasn't for the American news media also buying into this fear mongering. Well, and all, he said and, it's worldwide. Um, there are news organizations, places outside of America, and they've all got the same incentives. Right. You know? That they're all the same. The only news organizations that aren't talking about this are the ones in China. All, all the other ones, you know, because they like to hide all of their information. All the other ones are trying to get everyone to be as scared as possible. So it's saying that, well, because it's worldwide, it's not media in general. There's media everywhere, all over the place, and they all capitalize on this. So that just, that, that just ain't going to hold up, man. Just ain't going to work. Sorry, I was just going to mention the oil prices really quick because this is this is pretty important, um, and this is coming from CNN Business. So, why are oil prices crashing? So, from the article here, Saudi Arabia, the world's top exporter, launched a price war over the weekend. The move followed the implosion of an alliance between the OPEC cartel, <laughs> like how they're calling it, the OPEC yeah. cartel, led by Saudi Arabia and Russia. The kingdom and Russia came together to form the so-called APEC. OPEC plus alliance in 2016 after oil prices plunged to $30 a barrel. Since then, the two leading exporters have orchestrated supply cuts of 2.1 million barrels per day. So this is what OPEC does. It's not, it's not based off supply and demand, really. No. It's based on how much money they want to get per barrel. They, and they, they can ration decide, their supply. Exactly. They yeah. can decide, ah, let's cut it back. Let's not release 2 million barrels a day because we can. Uh, Saudi Arabia actually wanted to increase that number to 3.6 million barrels. They had to make a, a correction <laughs> on their on their uh, their false supply, <laughs> their audit sheets there uh, to take account of the weaker consumption. But Russian President Vladimir, Vladimir Putin worried about ceding too much ground to American oil producers. He refused to go along with the plan and his energy minister, Alexander Novak, on Friday signaled a fierce battle to come for market share when he said countries could produce as much as they please from April 1st. So why did Saudi Arabia launch a price war? Simmering differences over how best to manage global oil markets spilled into the open at a meeting between OPEC and Russia in Vienna on Friday. After Russia said it was ditching the alliance, Saudi Arabia warned it would live to regret that decision. Sources who attend the meeting told CNN business. So, so this whole oil thing and oil still drives a lot of not only the stock market, but everything else. <laughs> Trump tweeted out that good news for consumers, gas prices are coming down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you have this whole fake organization called OPEC. Yeah, I it, is a, what it, it is for. a cartel. It's a, yes. a, a cartel is when, you know, a monopoly would be if you had one supplier. A cartel would be if five suppliers got together and decided that they were going to agree and work together and create their own supplies and their own demand. And so they create a cartel, an, an economic cartel. It's not like the Mexican drug cartel or anything like that, although it could be closer to that than we than we know. But that's what that's what OPEC is. And what is that? The um, What's that stand for? Do I can't remember exactly, okay. but look that up. I, I want to mention one important thing here. What happened in quarter one of the fir this first year right now is that America has become the number one oil producer in the world and is expected to pump about 13 million barrels a day in the first quarter of this year. Now, uh, the American oil is a more expensive version to to extract. It's done through fracking and it's called shale oil. And they we have become the number one because oil prices have been so high. It's been 
good for the U.S. shale companies to actually pump that oil. Now, when when oil prices come down like they have now, they've dropped 20 percent. They're going to stop start shutting down those places. But if you look back in 2016, what happened was places like North Dakota and Charlie, I was going to mention your dad worked on what was it called? The uh, the Deepwater deep, Horizon. Yeah, he was on the Deepwater yeah. Horizon about two weeks before it blew up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my dad was, uh, he knew he was like, screw it. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> no. My dad's a mud engineer and worked for in the oil field for a very, very long time. Um, but so what they did is over the weekend, they basically got into this price war. Essentially they say that they're out of alliance, but I actually think it's on purpose because Saudi Arabia is America's ally. And so as American prices or as a price of oil becomes expensive enough for American producers to export that oil, Saudi Arabia doesn't want to be seen as somebody who's linking up with Russia to drop oil prices. Um, but so what they did is they are in a quote unquote price war. And this is speculation from my part. They're in a quote unquote price war to bring the price of oil down. So, so it's that, not so economically that, viable to buy American oil. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's yeah. what they're doing because they want the money in their coffers. Yeah. They would rather export the Russian and the Saudi Arabian oil because that's where they get the money. Well, and that and was so, a bit of a conspiracy theory for price, oil pricing overall, which uh, tanked Russia's economy, tanked Venezuela's economy, that basically these countries were working to to make oil so cheap at that time that Russia could not produce uh, and be able to sell their oil profitably, that Venezuela could not produce and be able to sell their oil profitably. And these cartels really can can have a lot to do with that. And of course, we were involved in that conspiracy theory too. But oil oil costs money to, to get out of that their ground. It's, it's, not, it's not quite as easy as the, the Beverly Hillbillies would make it look. Um, you you know, you, you have to spend a lot of money and there's a certain price that it's going to cost to get it out. And as the price goes up, uh, well, then uh, new oil becomes available because people will be able to afford to extract that oil. And so that's how you can see that our oil reserves go up or the available oil. How much oil do we have? So when oil gets really cheap and they say, well, the world's oil reserves are available. Oil is, is we've only got a couple of years left. Well, that's at the current price. Right. That's what that means at the current price, because it wouldn't be economically viable to get the other oil. And then as the oil price goes up and up and up, well, they'll say, oh, we've got, oh, look, we've got a whole new trillion barrels of oil because the oil price went up. And now all of a sudden it's economically viable to get all this oil from other places. And so the, the, the availability of oil is determined by the prices that the market will set for then OPEC is largely involved in setting what those prices are. So it has a lot to do with our economy. And what's crazy is these countries set their annual budgets based on the price of oil. A lot of them do. Yeah. So Russia claims to be the most insulated to lower prices because its annual budget is based on an average price of roughly $40 a barrel. Now with it dropping down to about 30, $35 a barrel, they're not going to see much decline. But the Gulf countries produce oil at the lowest cost. So Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and the United Arab Emirates, they're estimated to have an expenditure of 2 to $6 a barrel. So they're still making money. However, because of high government spending and generous subsidies for its citizens, they need a price range of about $70 a barrel or higher to balance their budgets. Same thing we saw happen in Venezuela. Yeah. Now, um, because of sanctions on the Russia, Russia claims that they've had to be they've had to become more efficient. But countries like Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, they are not as efficient. And so they're going to see um, Iraq, Iran, Libya and Venezuela um, will all pay a high price for this. And it's because this is why when you have government control of a yeah. market or and cartel they, like or, this or cartel like yeah. control and uh, socialism in a way. Yeah. This is why you don't want that because they're going to make your, your free college, your free healthcare and everything like that based on the price of oil, like Venezuela did. And then you're, you're uh, stuck when the market decides oh, that's not the price we're going to pay. Yeah. And so I just find it very interesting. Um, and, and of course I don't, know a ton about it but what i do know about it, i find it very interesting that i think that saudi arabia is kind of playing a game here because they they don't they want to be more of an exporter than the united states is but since the united states is an ally they don't want to be seen as yeah. somebody who's dropping it's the prices on purpose it, 
Yeah. It's just it's just crazy. And then this has an effect over the the whole market. I mean, oil is still one of the number one drivers of the economy as well. So, well, but the good news is gas prices should be cheaper. That's in good. America coming it's down bad for, for farmers. <laughs> it's really bad for farmers. Yeah. But, um, my dad's always said, man, when the oil prices are high, gas prices are high. That's when they can make the money. That's when they can really make them out. I mean, that corn, buddy. they don't drive anywhere. You know, they don't yeah. really have to go anywhere <laughs> at all. So that's when they can really make the money because the corn prices go up really high because they're using the corn to make ethanol to put in the fuel, and there's higher prices for gas. So uh, they they typically are pretty pretty okay when gas prices are naturally high, yep. not like artificially high because of Illinois' new forty cent gas tax on top of everything. But like not I, because of that. I mentioned North Dakota earlier, but the Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and North Dakota. This is where the higher priced shale oil is coming from. Yeah. Um, they're going to be affected. You yeah. know, those jobs are going to be affected big time because they can't afford to produce oil at $25, $30 a barrel. So it has to be higher. Our favorite Senator Bernie Sanders get just getting hosed in this whole Democratic thing. Charlie, you've been following what have they called those states yet? <laughs> <laughs> Let me look because California was still holding out on like 115 really? that I yeah. saw on Friday. So Bernie tweeted out yesterday, uh, once a vaccine for coronavirus, once a vaccine for coronavirus is developed, it should be free. Okay. What about the economic incentives of something we don't have yet? Something that people need to work their butts off for overnights working around the clock to produce. What about going ahead and saying that it's going to be free uh, means that that means people will work harder to produce it. So he's already talking about how basically the government needs to come in and pay for this coronavirus vaccine that they're going to be able to set the prices on it, what they're going to pay people for that won't be dictated by the market, that it's going to be dictated by the government. And I just, I have a hard time understanding how he thinks the economic incentives are going to work out well in in his favor. Because when you have a market, a new market, this is a new market. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say, there's a new market. People need to get together and create a vaccine for the coronavirus. That is a new market. And he's saying, hey, you know what? The government needs to completely control this market and set prices, dictate prices. We're going to pay for it. We're going to set what the prices are going to be. Um, that's going to do everything it can to reduce the incentive for people to get into that market, by the way, because they could spend the next year and billions of dollars, literally billions of dollars trying to create this. And you want this market to be as free as possible. To me, this is a perfect representation of the incentive structure that's created under socialism, really just under socialism. Because if you, leave, if you leave this up to the free market, which I doubt it will be, since this is a worldwide crisis, it's not, it's not really going to be left up to the free market for them to come out and come up with their pricing on it and all that. They'll take it over in some kind of way. What do you do to people who are, that are trying to invest and trying to create this, that are trying to create something that's new so they can, and then maybe they can recoup the money that they've spent towards it? You, you lower their incentive. You take away. See, I got. Why I, would they want to do this? I got into this, um, a cousin of mine, I got into this uh, debate kind of with him because he was saying three things that there should be no profit made off of. It's education, health care, and child care or something like that. I can't remember the third one. Funny you didn't mention food in there, yeah. by the way. Uh, <laughs> housing, good. actually. It was housing. Yeah. So shelter, uh, health care, and education. Those you can't profit from. And I told him, I was like, look, I understand the sentiment of this. I really do. I mean, I, in in theory, it sounds good. But when you go back and you look at history, and we've talked about this before, like Russia, the USSR outlawed profit. Like it was illegal to make a profit on anything. Yeah, no profit. And what it did was it crumbled the actual economy. Like people, you human beings need incentive. They need a goal to reach for. They need purpose and meaning in their life to be productive members of society. And when you outlaw things like profit, then what you're doing is you are reducing that incentive to get up and put in the extra hours to do the extra research, to, to try new things because you're not going to get any benefit. Yeah. What's the benefit? You're going to get a flat payment regardless of what right. you do. Right. It's, there's if, no if, incentive. If I spend 
this is a terrible analogy. It's but like hourly care. wages versus being a contract worker or, or owning your own business. Or when I was flipping houses and we would test out whether or not we would pay people per hour or whether or not we would pay them per thing that they did. Guess what? When you paid them per thing that they did, the house got done in like two days. But yeah. when you paid them per hour, the house took two or three weeks. Look, I'm not sure how many of you guys out there garden and I'm not a big <laughs> gardener, but I'm just going to give you this analogy because it's the first thing that popped in my head. Imagine you went out and you planted flowers for four hours, but they were guaranteed never to bloom. Like you weren't going to get the bloom from them. Would you spend four hours planting the flowers? No, you wouldn't because you plant flowers to watch them bloom because they yeah. look good. If they were, if the government said plant all the, we need you to plant all these flowers, but they're never going to bloom. How many of you would actually go out there and plant the flowers? Yeah. None of you would. Well, you've got because the- there's no incentive. There's no reward at the end of it. You know, it's, it's like uh, sports or anything else. Like why, why do you actually go through the training and everything else to run the hundred meter dash or to be the best swimmer or anything like that? Because you get rewarded in the end as the best. That's the whole reason why you do anything. You know, why do you go? Um, well, and back in the day, you used to have to hunt for your food. That's a grueling task. And have you guys ever hunted before? I thought you said uh, hump. Why would you go hunt? Okay. Hunt. 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 Okay. Because at the end of the day, you get, different. you get some food, what your body needs, you know? And so it's like these, you can't outlaw prof, profits, not necessarily a bad thing. I understand the sentiment where you're like, oh, well, you know, healthcare, people need to be taken care of. We, that shouldn't be run at a profit motive because that incentivizes, incentivizes greed. Was well, actually just the opposite yeah. of that. If you look at things like food, the profit motive is there for food, and we've created so much. There are now more obese people than there are people starving. Yeah, and so it's not profit. Profit's not the issue at hand. That's not it. Well, we've seen even if you remove the profit from the healthcare industry, it would it wouldn't even make a dent in the cost of healthcare. No, you, you can look, you can look at it. I mean, what was Bernie saying? A hundred billion dollars in profits. Dude, you're talking about how healthcare should cost $1.7 trillion less every year, every single year, and you're blaming it on $100 billion in profit. You know, Obama, like, Obamacare created, like, what was it, 15 uh, co-op insurance companies oh, yeah. or 20, something like that? Nonprofit health insurance companies. You know how many of them are around today? Zero. Zero. Yeah. None of them lasted. Within the first year, within the first few seconds, they gave up. <laughs> they gave up. Because... Yeah. It's not the profit that's a bad thing. That's that's not what it is. You have to. It, it wouldn't matter if it was measured in bananas or something like that. Like if you do something and you get five bananas versus if you do something and you get zero bananas. If we're all if we go back to chimpanzees days, yeah, there it's that incentive structure of why are you even motivated to do anything to begin with? Why would anybody be motivated to create a a, a, a vaccine? If it weren't to get a little bit of profit. Well, and if you want to look at the entire economic utility of it, prices are lower when you have a profit system. That's a very important thing to try and wrap your mind around that people don't want to wrap their mind around. The, like Charlie mentioned, the, the non-profit in Russia, it was illegal. You're not going to make any profit on anything in Russia. A car, material-wise, produced vehicle cost three times more in Russia in a nonprofit system during the Soviet Union. The car costs three times more because where's the incentives? Why would you do better? Why would you work harder? So why, weird how that would happen. Why did Henry Ford create the, the automobile the way he did in the assembly line and all these things? Because he was trying to shave off the cost of the actual car so he could actually make a profit. And in the pursuit of being able to do that, he took the car from something that only super rich people would be able to afford and took it to something that the average everyday person would be able to afford because of profit. It's because of that profit. And you look at things like, oh, your I've used this before, your Apple phone charger. The thing cost five cents to make probably and people will look at that and they'll say well this should cost five cents if it weren't for profit no if it weren't for profit it wouldn't exist that's the that's what the actual scenario would be you might be paying some profit or if there weren't any profit you might be paying a hundred dollars for it because they wouldn't have had the incentives to create all of the machines and everything that make them so cheap You've got to be able to remove emotions from the equation. It's just like that 
just like that town in China that we talked about in in the uh, 70s or 80s, I can't remember the name of it now, where the village came together and they decided that they were going to secretly allow the farming families to keep extra if they were to produce extra. Now, they still had to hit their government quotas. And they decided that they were going to allow each other, the families, if you made more, well, then you would be able to keep the extra. So what happened? What happened after that? Food got so scarce that they couldn't eat anything? No, that's what happened when there was no profit off of the food. What actually happened was in the very first growing season, they produced as much food as they had produced in the previous five growing seasons combined, purely based on the fact that the people were able to keep the extra. You do not want to remove profit from any system that you actually care about, that people actually need. Why wouldn't you mention food, Mr. Charlie's friend on Facebook? Every single person in the entire world that's Bernie ever, Sanders didn't tweet it. Yeah. Every person <laughs> in the entire world that's ever existed had to have food or they would die. Every single person. Yet we allow profit in food. You've got your dollar menu at McDonald's. You've got more people obese than you do who are starving. And that's luckily because we work within a profit system where all of these people have came up with a way to produce food so cheaply, to sell it so cheaply that everyone can't afford it. Near you everyone in, can afford it. You incentivize innovation and efficiency, which is yeah. the only way you actually create wealth. Yeah. If, if you run it as a nonprofit socialist, socialist system, then there's no incentive to ever make anything better. This is why Cuba is stuck in the 1950s. I've been there, you know, all they get, they have these like old classic car tours. Yeah. That's because that's all they have. And it's just their there. car tours. Yeah. Yeah. The buildings are, there's been no new buildings. I mean, Cuba is one of the most beautiful places in the world. When I was there, you, you have this beachfront that used to be a resort where you're just like, oh my God, you could see how many tourists would actually go there for their honeymoon and all kinds of stuff because it is that beautiful. And what they've done to it is turned it into a stuck in time hellhole. Yeah. Instead of there's no wealth creation there, you know, it, back in the seventies and eighties, even they were trying to get together the, the, um, well, actually it was a mafia, but they were building casinos and things like that. Now all that was outlawed. So it gives nobody incentive to go anywhere near Cuba. And it's just, a it, this thing is so, it's so easy to see if you just look at history and I don't understand why, like, what are we teaching in history? I don't remember anything out of history from, from high school and stuff. No offense to my high school teachers, No, but there wasn't anything remotely close to what actually took place in the world and how economics works and anything like that. They it's definitely just, don't teach economics, which is something yeah. that everyone has an opinion on yet. They've never studied yeah. ever. And they've all got an opinion on it. I know we so, got to go here yeah. soon. Um, but I wanted to mention one thing hilarious about the DNC real quick is that of the states that Bernie Sanders Sanders won, by the way, all the states that Joe Biden won, there are zero undecided delegates. There are three states that um, Bernie Sanders won. And between those three states, there are 101 undecided delegates. Now, what's hilarious about that is, is that if those 101 undecided delegates went to Bernie Sanders, as they should, that would put Bernie Sanders at 674 delegates and Joe Biden only has 664. Now, why have those undecided delegates not been released? Now, you know, this is what happens. <laughs> because DNC. we need the media to be talking about how Joe Biden is the front runner and he's the one who won Super Tuesday. Right. And he's the one who's got the most delegates. So they've literally left a bunch of these states undecided. So they do not give these delegates out. Yeah. They're literally withholding them. So Bernie is in the round talking about how he's the front runner. He's got the most delegates. The media is not talking about Biden that. Biden said he won Listen, Super Tuesday. Hilarious. We are no Bernie Sanders supporters. We no. run a website called BernieLies.com. Okay? We're all about being fair and balanced but here. Be fair and balanced. You got to call it like it is, man. And and Bernie, you know, he's seeing quite the same the same thing he saw in 2016, he's man. That's screwed, exactly man. what he's saying. If Look, I were a Bernie supporter, I sure would be mad. Yep. Yep. Look, I got to go. But before I do, I, I want to tell you about the trading class that is going on. It's been absolutely amazing. We've been getting great feedback so far. Uh, we've done uh, tons of updates to the website and the class. There's all the first week of videos is out there. You got all kinds of training material. This is going to be continually updated every single week. If you guys want to get involved, we cannot release the actual class until Wednesday because right now we still have the early bird special going on. 
And so all of our early birds are in there. They're going through the class. They've got early access because they made the decision to sign up. So right now you need to make that decision to get in when the class releases on Wednesday. So send an email to Nate at <laughs> Nate, Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. That's Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Make sure you send them an email to get on the list to sign up. It's uh, it's going good. It's going yeah. really good so far. Yeah. Um, and so it's been amazing trading so far. All these yeah. people are losing money. Uh, the market's down. Not, uh, not our class members. Our class members aren't losing money. No, oh, they're the not market, losing money. The people in the, the market market's losing money are losing money so far. I mean, the market's been down freaking 15% so far, something like more than that. It's, it's crazy how much the market is down so far. And our account is up 17.4%. By We're the up, way. We started so an account for the class and it's up 17.4% so far. That's yeah. right. Not so you guys bad. go and do that. Uh, send Nate an email. We will release the actual website uh, coming up on Wednesday. So we'll have a link to send you guys to. But until then, send an email to Nate. Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. I got to go. Nate, close us out. All right, guys. If you want to do a couple things for us, you need to go leave a rating and review. Charlie told you about the trading class. We told you about Patreon. That's where you can get involved and watch live. Come and hang out with us on the live video every single day. Go to your podcast app. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. And then leave us a rating and review. We're getting some great ratings and reviews on there. Still five-star podcast so far. You guys got to go leave that rating and review because that feeds the algorithms that run our lives. So when someone searches politics, news, libertarianism liberty free market capitalism anything like that well guess whose podcast is going to pop up more than likely we're going to be on that list if we've got the right amount of ratings and reviews so you guys get on there leave a rating leave a review do all that if you guys do all of those things we will be right back here again tomorrow to talk about life liberty and the pursuit of meaning you guys do all those things we'll see you tomorrow have a good day and a good morning liberty 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 Butchable.